our first little catch-up for a little while yeah but we've both been very diligently preparing for today's show absolutely we? well with certainty i've been preparing i've certainly been preparing <laughs> a lot which is good but it's because you criticized me a few times in the past that i didn't take the radio so- show seriously so this is me getting my own back. Oh, well, and I think later on we'll be talking a bit more about how you go about taking things seriously. Okay. I'd definitely like to talk about that. Oh but I don't want to put too much pressure on, oh as we'll God. discover later on. Wow. But I know you've got quite an extensive introduction to do. I have. Um, and perhaps we should just give a little warning at the start that we're not really sure show-wise today. We're not completely certain if we're going to do half an hour. We might do like 45 minutes. M- Maybe 33 minutes. Maybe 33 minutes Maybe sounds nice, doesn't like it? Maybe like 42 and a half. About 42 and a half. Who something knows? like that. I'd, you know, We're just going to play it by ear, really, aren't we? I mean, it's good to be certain about some things, but let's just be certain temporarily that uh, we don't really know what's going to happen we in the next know. expanding amount of time. But I did warn Oliver that I wanted to give quite an extensive... And waffling introduction to today's theme okay. because I have chosen today's theme. And today is a very special day, let's not forget. Something to do with Jesus happened today. I don't know the details. Something to do with Jesus happened, but something but, else happened. But something happened to be for so that this day could be a bank holiday and for it to be called Good Friday, which is rather nice, isn't it? I wish all Fridays could be Good Friday. Every Friday is a Good Friday on the Ellie and Oliver show. Well, it is true, <laughs> yeah. But this one specifically is something to do with Jesus. But I don't think it was very good for him because I think he might have got I crucified. I think he might have been hung out on the cross. <laughs> anyway. Not ideal. Not... <laughs> don't want to anger any religious groups. Not ideal for a Friday afternoon. So this is going to be in celebration of a very different thing that happens (laughs) today on this Friday, which is, for all those of you who haven't yet taken note, the start of the financial year, which for me is an extremely exciting day, Um, much anticipated, because for lots of reasons I get to, well, I get to conclude all of the accounting from the 11-12 period and to start my new accounts for the 12-13 period, which is... Something we're all looking forward to. (laughs) It's really, really, really exciting. So, So, ages ago... Um, I said to Oliver that this show, 6th of April, it'd be nice if we did the theme taxes. (laughs) Because I was kind of, well, for a lot of reasons, but I think that keeping my accounts is an important part of who I am as an artist. Because obviously a lot of what I do crosses over and is interested with dealing with the world of finance. So this idea of accounting and accountability and responsibility, these things kind of all go hand in hand and manifest themselves on massive expanding spreadsheets. But taxes, not a lot of scope for taxes, is there? Not a lot of scope for taxes, but I did actually just want to read this um, thing that I wrote in 2007 because that was a bit of a turning point for me. In in many ways. 
in many ways, <laughs> yeah. Um, but for one reason, well, I launched this project called Work With Me Online, which was an international campaign to try to find a collaborative partner. And the idea was that it was kind of like a weird dating site, but it wasn't. I wasn't looking for dates. So I was looking for someone that I could work with. And it's quite ironic, really, that I've actually found someone that I can work with well, I was going to say in the most improbable place, but actually just in my flat. <laughs> but you know, I was just hiding under the bed. If you if you look at the work with me website, you'll see the idea of it was that I just was so particular and so specific about the exact person that I thought that would be compatible with me that I put so much detail into it that I realised that that person doesn't actually exist, and that but I here was, I am. That I was being too controlling about it. But one of the things I wrote in the history section of the website, where I wrote a little um, autobiography, in the final paragraph, this is 2007. I wrote. After a GCSE in art, an A-level in art, a B-Tech Foundation Diploma in art, and a first-class B.A.ons degree in art, Ellie decided she was finally qualified to start calling herself an artist. She registered the domain name ellieharrison.com in 2000 and has been defining a practice and building up a career since then. Ellie became self-employed in 2004, and since then has often cited filing her tax return as one of the most anticipated and satisfying moments of the annual calendar. And obviously, that's not going to happen today because there's a few loose ends that need to be tied up and a few statements that need to be got together before that tax return can be filed. But I will be doing it by May or June. So that was that, that little first five minutes was imagining that we'd just done the show... Taxes. And taxes. But that's but all there is to say about taxes. That's so all we've there done is the show. To say about right. taxes. And I just thought that people would be really turned off if they saw Ellie and Oliver show with the thing taxes. taxes. So Oliver, <laughs> Oliver said to me, You've got to come up with something better. So last Friday night, we had a little bit of a fight, I seem to recall. Did we? Yeah, oh God, yeah, it was a turbulent week, wasn't you it? You drank five pints of lager, and I wasn't really about to engage. Uh, I drank. One but I think it was you that came home in a bad mood, not me. Well, Let's I not make this about an argument. But actually, I was quite happily just plodding around the house. I think that you came home in a reckless mood. I'm sorry. Well, I had had one glass of wine and two soya white Russians, which I was very excited about. But I think there's something in that Kahlua that really messes your mind up. Oh dear, we'll stay away from it. I know. Anyway, Are you going to get to the theme? <laughs> I am going to get to the theme. So I was, I was lying in bed and I was actually, first of all, this is last Friday, and it was exactly 1.50 in the morning because I made a note in my notebook. And I was lying in bed and I was initially annoyed at you, but then my brain went on to thinking about taxes and thinking about the radio show and thinking about something that would be more of an Ellie and Oliver show style theme. So, the quote from Benjamin Franklin from sometime in America 17 something 1789 one of the founding fathers of America once wrote in this world nothing can be certain except death and taxes and if you look on wiki quote another one of those responsible yeah reliable internet sources it says in a description of what this quote means if you can't work it out for yourself <laughs> a rather fatalistic and sardonic proverb it draws attention to the inevitability of death 
to highlight the difficulty in avoiding the burden of taxes. It's quite interesting to reflect on that because it, it, it does highlight the kind of socialist ideals that were at the heart of the founding of America, which have kind of disappeared. And obviously a lot of the right think that it is possible to run a society on little or no taxes. But the reality is that somebody's got to pay for the roads and the rest of it <laughs> and the, the waste collection and all the rest of it. So let's talk about certainties, Oliver. Let's talk about certainties. If you haven't guessed after that eight-minute build-up, <laughs> the theme of this week is certainties. And if you were confused about everything that was just said and went on for the first, basically, third of the show, if we do half an hour, I can't be certain, um... You'll be in a similar state to I was about the idea of certainties. I actually, when I first heard the word certainties come out of Ellie's mouth, I thought, yeah, that is a good title, good idea for a show. But actually, after that initial uh, thought, I suddenly realised that I wasn't actually perhaps that certain that I actually understood the word certainties. Uh, And I was actually, yeah, I kept thinking more about uncertainties every time I was trying to define what I might talk about this week. And so I went to another reputable internet resource. Yes. A good old uh, undergraduate essay writing technique. I went for a dictionary definition. Oh, I've done that. To kick off my research. I got three. I got the firm conviction that something is the case. I got the state of being without doubt and that something when no scepticism could occur. So... Using those definitions to try and work out what I had to say about certainties, I still had a lot of problems because I thought, I don't know if I've got any certainties in my life. And so then I started to think... Well, you've got death and taxes, Oliver. There is death and... Well, no. Because you don't even pay tax. No, 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 no. Well, I do pay tax. I'm self-employed as well, but I'm a young one. What I want to really say is actually, I started to think, well, we only know about death and taxes because they happen to every other case that we've observed around us. Right doesn't necessarily mean that it is the real case. If we go back to our old friend David Hume yeah. and uh, his problems of induction. Yeah, I know all about this. So the idea, you know, that we think things are going to happen because we've observed them on so many mm-hmm. times doesn't necessarily mean that taxes will continue forever or that we will die. It's just that everyone else around us that we've observed has had to pay taxes forever or, or, and they've died. So therefore I thought, God, well, the only thing we can be certain of is uncertainty. But then I leaped forward quite a few centuries to another friend of ours. Not mm-hmm. A bit more of a distant friend, old actually. Old Wittgenstein. Good old Wittgenstein. Is he our friend? I think he would like to have been our friend. <laughs> I think we've got a lot in common. I always thought he was he, very serious. Uh, I know, but well, so am I. It's my year yeah, of seriousness. He wrote a little book, a little simple pamphlet <laughs> called... Uh, Tractico. <laughs> Tracticus. <laughs> Is it that one? No, before he was going to die, he wrote a book called Uncertainty. Oh. And what he says about the, the certainty of uncertainty is... If you tried to doubt everything, you'd not get as far as doubting anything. The game of doubting itself presupposes certainty. And apparently, according to someone else's notes, not my own, but I mean, we'll get the general gist of it, is that Wittgenstein points out that the role, uh, the, the importance that the role of context plays in what humans think they can know. I would say epistemology, but I never know what that word means when other people say it, so I thought I'd simplify it right down. And the idea that certainties are possible within certain frameworks. Right. Well, 
It's yeah. I mean, that idea of Hume is really, really interesting. That sorry, I'm going to have to re-listen to that Wittgenstein bit on the <laughs> podcast just to get my head. I suppose the it. bit that I wanted to get across really was like the idea that certainties are possible within frameworks that we perhaps create for ourselves, such as I would say the Ellie and Oliver show is a certain context or a certain framework where certainties exist, but then it's a split certainty because there's a temporal certainty of the live action that we do every Friday. Then there's the more ongoing certainty of the archive. Yeah. Well, then, in that way... But I do wonder about the distinction between those two things. The frameworks relate to the idea of routines in that respect, then, don't they? Yeah. Because we, everything is so uncertain, anything could happen at any point, that that becomes something, a, you know, a state that's almost impossible to live in. But I was wondering, you know, when you say routines then, and last week I spoke about one of the previous shows we've done as well, I was thinking, like, I wonder whether towards the end we will, the Ellie and Oliver show will constantly exist as just a context where we're able to refer back to things that we said throughout the year and therefore charting a certain, a, a very small space in time on Fridays where we did have certainty about how our lives were progressing, but only in the context of the Ellie and Oliver show because then obviously we go out into the world and, like, totally contradict ourselves all the time. Well, we do, but also I think the the Ellie and Oliver show is a central like point in my weekly thinking. It's a point where I get the opportunity to resolve a lot of things that I've been mm-hmm. mulling over and to make them into some sort. I won't say I, say, I won't say concise <laughs> after that introduction, but to just vocalise them, I suppose, and make them audible. Well, I was wondering, actually, because the other framework that I've sort of created for myself this year, which I spoke about in our first show, Resolutions, was this idea of seriousness, and particularly about a sort of seriousness focused towards pleasure in the present. And the radio show, I suppose, is a really good example of that, because actually I was thinking what's great about the radio show is that there's a certainty certainty for the potential of flow to occur, because Uh we have to be existing purely in the present and be active, really mindful in the present for this half an hour slot every week. So you know that that is a certainty, you know, as opposed to when I go back into my studio and there's like lapses in concentration and times when I'm worrying about things. For this one half an hour, this framework of half an hour, there is a, a real certainty that there's a possibility for pleasure. It's Yeah, and it's pressure, isn't it? It comes from pressure to be in the moment. And what we've discovered about broadcasting is that you can't just stop talking. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> we just died. No, exactly. I mean, I was thinking that the radio show really shares some qualities with this idea of reading about this week by Jan Fuert, uh on existential exuberance. Right. And he defines this as to perform without any mandate or legislation in response to the desires or dreams of other people, but without aim or pretense of fulfilling an existing demand. So it's about uh, finding another ethos to help us to defy the social pressure to perform, because we're performing, but not in a way, I suppose, that we're hoping, or are we hoping to fulfill an aim? Because I think we might have taken a bit of a wrong turn with the Ellie and Oliver show in a little bit, uh, in terms of, you know, when we gave it an identity and tried to promote... I don't know whether there's a bit of a schizophrenia. It's very schizophrenic because it just wants to be DIY and in our flat, but at the same time it wants to, to be picked up by yeah. the national press. And we to have to learn how to pull it thing. back again, I think. I'm the one that 
it's nice we need to pull I know, it. I know, You're I know. the one that's pushing it and trying to make me go all over the world, I'm promoting really, it. But what I'm thinking about... Well, listen, it's 16 minutes past 12 now. Okay. Do you fancy cracking on a song and then we could go back into... Well, I'm definitely going to introduce a whole new philosophy of being Okay. before the end of well, the show today. I, I mean, I wanted to update a lot of what you were talking about, Hume speaking about, oh, in Jeff terms of contemporary politics, because it's something that I touched on a little bit um, in an earlier show, I think. But there's a lot of that uh, Hume's philosophies of, in, well, induction and uncertainty are actually being used by oh my the Tory Lord. government now. Oh. I also wanted to say that thing you, you said about, like, you're not certain that you will have to pay taxes forever. I mean, if the whole of society falls apart and there is no, like, ruling class and there is no government, then taxes won't be certain. Mm-hmm. We'll just be scrabbling around. And what if, there's a, what if there's a shift in time and space and death no longer exists? Well, I think you're, you probably are the only immortal being that's ever walked the earth, but the rest of <laughs> us, unfortunately, <laughs> probably only have a finite time on the earth. But it is interesting that the one thing... Well, that it's good l- to have a context. ...that the Liberal Democrats have done in that horrible coalition government is to raise the income tax threshold. To t- I think it's around about £10,000. £10, so for low-income earners, <laughs> such as you and me, this actually means that we probably won't ever have to pay any income tax. There you go. Which We're is mental. Living the dream. But you still have to pay VAT and you still have to pay council tax. Well, actually, I didn't pay council tax once for a whole year. Well, you don't pay the council tax because I bloody pay Oh, well, yeah, I? although I'm not supposed to because you're the landlady and according okay. to actually Glasgow Council, I'm not supposed to pay any, but let's not get into that because it's 17 <laughs> minutes past 12. It's Devo's time for a song. Okay, but my, I need to introduce the song let's that I want to play. It. So one thing that made me very happy about sitting up right in my bed at 1.50 last Friday evening and writing all the notes about what I wanted to talk about in today's show was the fact that... On almost the same day that we recorded the previous show, I'd done all my preparation for today's show. So I was going to be very certain about the content of the show for almost an entire week. And contrary to the habit that I've developed of being very disorganized with my music selection, I wanted to also have my song lined up. Seven oh, days. How did that so go? Much. Well, it didn't go that well because I just had an <laughs> inkling of an idea of a song that I wanted to play. And I was going to listen to my iPod on the way down to the Lake District last Saturday where I went to visit my friend Maria in Grisdale and she was 40. Happy, Happy birthday, Maria. Happy Big birthday. shout out to Maria. Happy birthday, Maria. I love you. <laughs> anyway, I divulge. <laughs> diverge. Um, what do I do? I don't know. You were something about choosing a song. Well, you so, knackered your iPod. Um, headphones got broken. I couldn't choose a song, but I just had in my head that I wanted to play an Eat Award, Ring My Bell, because I really like that song. Okay. And then I started to think, well, that's really irrelevant, but it was the only song that vaguely popped into my head on Saturday. Oh. So I've since worked out the three reasons why this song is very relevant. Oh, post-conceptualising. Yeah. How very GCSE artwork of I you. know, I've done some post-conceptualising <laughs> and I've convinced myself that it's right. Um, I've convinced myself. <laughs> I also really, 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 really like the song and I hope that you'll be able to dance around to it um, wherever you might be listening. So, Swirl on your office chair. The first reason that I wanted to choose this song is because I wanted to be certain. And this was the only song that I could think of of last Saturday in my limited capacity and knowledge of music. The second reason is because this song 
first came out in 1979. It was number one in the UK charts on the 16th of June, 1979. And for those of you who aren't aware, this was my year of birth. And this is also the year that Margaret Thatcher was elected into power. And one of the first proposals for an artwork that I made when I went on the MFA course at Glasgow School of Art in 2008 was this proposal for a work called Monument Maggie and the idea was that it was an artwork that was completely dependent on the event of the death of Margaret Thatcher so it was an artwork that would remain (laughs) dormant um, until the moment that she died and the idea is that it was a computer that was running continuously, monitoring the headlines, looking for this news um, to pop up, and that it was linked up to a switch which switched on a full-blown 1979 disco playing all the number one hits from 1979. So at this moment that the news was reported... Just click my finger. Have a little disco. The disco would start and would continue to play for exactly one week. And it was this, you know, playing with the idea of how when that event does happen, which is a certain event, and it's getting closer and closer and closer to that time because she's not in a very healthy state, that that's going to completely polarise opinion again across the country because half the country is going to be singing her praises and saying what an amazing woman she was, and that's obviously coming across in films like The Iron Lady, which I still haven't seen. Well, I'm sure Elton John will be re-releasing Candle in the Wind. Exactly. And, but... In places like Glasgow, places like Liverpool, the big, like, city... The big fan bases of Margaret Thatcher. The big cities that she fucked over, basically. You know, people will be dancing in the street. But what interested me about this as an artwork, that it was a completely contingent... It was completely contingent on an event that me as an artist had no control over when it would happen. So I could design the framework for the artwork and I could put the rules in place but I wasn't going to be sure when the artwork would be activated or, or for that matter, how long the installation would last. Mm. So that's what made it very difficult to actually realise this artwork because no galleries um, would be able to commit to having an artwork installed for an unspecified length of time. So I'm very interested in that as in terms of my own personality being a control freak, which I will talk about later. Um, <laughs> And as an artist, setting up like a very rigid set of rules for how an artwork can function, but then making them dependent on a completely chaotic or or, impossible to predict event, like the general election drinking game, where it set up this very strict Oh my God, is this turning into an Ellie Harrison promo? We're going to link back to Anita Bell or whatever she's called. She's called Anita Ward. But the third reason why I wanted to choose this the certainty song, will be that Ellie will always promote herself on any platform given. You promote yourself <laughs> more than I do. <laughs> and anyway, I think it's in to- important to talk about that artwork, Monument Maggie. Because I like it, Monument Maggie. It's a shame it never existed. It was such a turning point for me, and it never existed. So it needs to be immortalised in things like radio broadcasting. <laughs> and I have already talked about it in a previous podcast I did with Bruce Asbestos for Trade Gallery back in February. Big shout out to Bruce Asbestos. Hashtag five minute song introduction come on okay, Anita so the third reason that I wanted to choose this song is because the idea of the bell ring my bell mm-hmm. really links in my mind to the idea of the fire alarm and this is something <laughs> that in uh, my CBT 
the um oh the fire alarm. Yeah, fire alarm i thought you said the firearm no that's why i couldn't alarm. really see a connection no, the okay so the thing about the fire alarm and this is what the cbt woman said to me is you never know what's going to happen Every single day, you could be sat in a building, you could be thinking that you've got a long list of work that you need to get through. What if the fire alarm goes off and you're stood out on the street for two hours? You know, what if there's a volcanic ash eruption and you can't go to work? Yeah. Like, you never know what's going to happen. And we always have to be ready for that. Well, we're definitely going to talk about that after this song, which we're finally going to play. For I certain.
Hello, my name is Oliver Braid and this is the Ellie and Oliver Show. I'm back and firstly I've just got a little apology to make about anyone who likes to listen to this in a sort of Ellie Harrison style way where they specify half an hour in their life and maybe go to a certain place and because this show is defo, it's going to go over half an hour, we've made things quite uncertain for you but we've done that deliberately so that you really appreciate your need for certainty because frameworks. I think yeah frameworks routine because uh, routine sorry that's Ellie Harrison chiming in uh, with a, a big up for routine because we are big fans of that but to go back to the particular framework for the Ellie and Oliver show I was talking earlier on about existential exuberance yeah. a little shout out from Jan Voort and he talks in his essay about SpongeBob SquarePants. And how he goes every day to this the Krusty Krab and fries up patties for customers, but he's like he just really loves doing that, and he's not he's not doing it um, like he's not doing it resentfully. He's just really into it, even though it seems like a kind of insignificant role. And I was thinking actually, like with the Ellie and Oliver show, if you really want to perform in an existentially exuberant way. Yeah then you have to really abandon the hope of fulfilling a demand Mm -hmm. and how the real framework you'd have to exist in in that way would be a certainty of of insignificance. Yep. Because I was sort of thinking that, or I'm kind of convinced that a lot of people, especially the self-employed, a lot of creative people, a lot of their unhappiness comes because they live in the uncertainty of significance Mm -hmm. where they don't know... You know, where in a way they might sort of want to be significant and they'll never know that unless it happens and they don't know it might happen after they die. So I was thinking the certainty of insignificance is a little similar to, I know you're a big fan of Pascal's Wager Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit like that. So we say for the certainty of insignificance, which is a new happiness formula that I'm putting out there is if you can't be sure that you'll be significant or insignificant in your actions. Yeah. But because it's more plausible that you'll be insignificant in the general scheme of things, you should take very seriously the certainty of your insignificance because then you'll never be disappointed with being insignificant. It will allow you, I think, to live more mindfully in the present rather than always living for the future. And it will remove any status anxiety from you because all you're really certain about is the fact that you will be insignificant I mean, I don't know how you... Because it seems to me the problem is that it's a very, like, simplified, rationalised way of trying to instruct people to live. But I think that perhaps that's because I've not been previously inducted to the world of the certainty of insignificance. Did you come up with this theory? Yeah, banged it out well, no, yesterday. No, I think it's really, really, really good. I, I thought it's pretty good. I mean, I might have stolen it off someone else, but, but I, think, I don't think I did. I think it's uh, very, very important, and I think that it's completely contradictory to like what, we was, what we've done with the radio show. I mean, look over there. We've got a pile of Ellie and Oliver show T-shirts that we're trying to vlog. <laughs> as though we think that we're that great that somebody would want to wear a T-shirt with our names on. I mean, I think what we should really be pushing on to people yeah. in life... At all different levels, actually, at the moment, is the certainty of insignificance. Yeah, I mean... I'm a bit worried that it could... It's a little bit Animal Farm, though. But it's interesting, because when I wrote my thesis for the MFA, one of the things that I was trying to address was this idea... Well, for starters, we all think that we're better than we actually are, and that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I touched on in an earlier show, that we all think that we deserve better um, than we've actually got, like the grass is always greener. 
But one of the things that I was trying to deal with in my essay was how can you motivate yourself when really as an artist you're, in, you're thinking about a career trajectory, you're thinking about um, a kind of moving up the ladder or moving, progressing mm. up the kind of through the art, in, art world institution. But it's the idea of creating a legacy like the idea of what you're really doing is putting together this body of work which is going to become your legacy, which is going to meet what you're going to be remembered for when you're dead or in the future. Yeah. But what I was trying to deal with is the idea that, well, if you look at the 21st century and what's supposedly meant to happen in terms of temperature increases, global population, the climate change, all of that stuff, the whole art world as we know it, the whole structure that our motivational um, system is based around could completely fall apart so why make work now thinking about how it's going to be perceived in the future mm -hmm. why not just enjoy what we're doing and i think it's really important that we bring that ethos back into the ellie and oliver show yeah me too that is what the ellie and oliver show is about it's about 2012 it's about this half an hour, this framework where we get to spend 30 yeah. minutes with each other every Friday afternoon. It's about how f fucking great it feels. To just have that. Because I was looking at our mouths before, and when both of us were talking, I really felt like both of our mouths were moving so fast because we were just really, like, lost. Well, I guess it goes back into that flow state that yeah. I was talking about before. Yeah, I have to admit that I think that in terms of flow, I've been flow. I shouldn't probably analyze, <laughs> but this like, post Anita Award, I found myself flowing a lot more because when I was talking before the the musical break, mm. I was looking at your face and you just looked really horrified <laughs> and bored, and like nothing that I was saying was making any sense. I was sense very at into all. it, but I was a bit worried about the lead up to the Anita Ward song. Was uh, just. I couldn't. I, there was. I couldn't find any certainty yeah. of when we might lead into the actual song. I'm I think sorry. that's what was panicking me. I had a three-point introduction to why I wanted to choose it, but really, I could have just said it's. You can get down disco, and it's got a beat. I did not have like a little Lauren dance. Hill. Uh, like but I tell you, this song. I will be introducing a song in a little bit, in quite a quite a short space of time. I should imagine. I don't know. I'm not certain <laughs> of how much more you've got to say. I really just wanted to get the importance of the certainty of insignificance out there. Yeah. And then I was sort of ready to just introduce the context of my song and then say goodbye, really. But if you've got some more to say, then, I mean, do let us know. Did you want to talk about... Black Swan Thinking. Black Swan Thinking? Um, I had a few little things that I wanted to talk about. One was, I just guessed to bring it back to the idea of money, which is where this first came from when we were talking about the this glorious day, the first day <laughs> of the new financial year. Because um, money is something that we hoard, and we hoard it, and this is, pick this up from Some the radio. Some of us do. In the last week. Well, we have a very... Oh, yeah, we haven't had a radio opinion from you today. We have quite a contradictory relationship with money, hence all of the financial crises that have ever occurred over the last few hundred years come from the, the core of this contradiction. But this idea of... Um, and that comes from money having two roles. It's a measure of value and it's a means of circulation. That's pure Karl oh, Marx. Circulation. That's pure Karl Marx capital. But on the radio, um, this thing really stood out to me. It was in a, a, po uh, a program. Analysis. Oh, I think it should be important to say it. Can I just chip in there to yeah. say that I think part of existential exuberance... Is not caring about money. 
Well, it's about interrupting the flow of circulation, I think. Because I yeah. know that Jan Vuur is a massive fan of that. Well, how would you... I mean, how would you interrupt the, sh- the flow of circulation of money? Maybe by hoarding it. But this idea that you save money in case you don't die. So you're saving mm. for contingent events in the future mm. that you can't predict. But at the same time, you spend money in case you do. Like, you wouldn't want to die and have all of this money no, just no. sitting in your bank account. So it's like... That in itself is a kind of contradiction in terms of how much to save and be prudential. I actually grew up in that paradox because my mum was the saver and my dad was such a naughty spender. Yeah. And so actually my mindset is very often torn between those two states, but I tend to go with the spending. Yeah, you do. You totally do. Um, But... Yeah, and that's something I'm going to get onto in next week's Reading Capital because I'm on tra- chapter 25 now. 25. Which is called The General Law of Capitalist Accumulation, which looks, I think, I haven't quite read it yet or started it, but at wh- why we are motivated to accumulate and where maybe that comes from in the human instinct. Mm. But I think it comes from uncertainty. And the fact that you don't know what's going to happen, so you feel like you have to prepare and stuff. Grab onto loads of stuff. Or like, like a little squirrel. A bit of wood at the end of Titanic. Ho- yeah, or like a squirrel would hoard nuts in its... De- no, that's a hamster. No, but none of, to be, no, you're right. None of us know when the winter is coming. Exactly. And it is best to be prepared. I know, because look what's happening up near Inverness at the moment with all that snow. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Well, there's at least like eight inches of oh, snow. Oh, so are you going to go to Inverness this weekend? Yeah, hopefully, if the trains aren't. Oh, but it's up. not a certainty. Well, a book to Just the to ticket. tie it back to the theme. I've I don't want this to turn into a phone conversation. Ticket. You have to be very certain in terms of train travel in this country, you don't do. you? Listen, Ellie, before we digress, because I know we've set ourselves an unlimited time amount and I'm worried that that could allow us to slip. We won't do this I'm again. thinking if we introduce the song fairly similarly, we would be ending on a 42 and a half minute show, which is what we predicted at the start. Okay, introduce nice. it. So I've chosen a song this week. I've chosen it. It's by Kimya Dawson featuring Aesop Rock and it's called Zero or Zillions. And the reason I chose it is because the song sort of talks about music as a context for certainty and and how different people become popular but actually how that shouldn't matter and one of the lines from the song says songs remain the same whether there are a zero people or a zillion people in the world listening and i think that that should be a central philosophy for the ellie and oliver show mm. also and also it's just a bit of a fun song with a big beat can i also say a big shout out to iron brats my studio they're having a party tonight 84 miller street glasgow if you're around, come down. I think it's like seven o'clock. No, it's yeah. No. It'll be super fun. There's new directors taking over, new certainties. Anyway, yeah. This is Kimmy Dawson featuring Aesop Rock, Zero or Zillions. Yeah, motherfucker! Get the fucking door then! <laughs> Thanks that I've sold out or not Since going 
she's a soprano, she sings opera with a voice that makes me cry. But she sings in competitions and the kids at school give her shit. I wish that she could sit back and close her eyes and feel the vibration of her voice inside her chest without worrying about who thinks that who thinks she's the best. Well, it's hard when there are people who think that it's not enough and there are people who think that it went too far. All I ever wanted was to not feel suicidal and I traded in my meds for a guitar. There's so much depression nowadays in adolescence and with all the social pressure that makes sense. But music shouldn't be the problem, music should be the solution and only a positive experience. Because of music, it doesn't change. today's show because it's, it was it's gone on so long already we're having a debauch and we were talking just while that rather good song that oliver chose thank you did have a beat this week thank you very much <laughs> we were saying we really need to stick to the framework in future because yeah. when we don't have a finite length of time 
we just ramble and just we want to say on and on. we just, just want to say every rambling. single thing that we could possibly say around a theme. But, but we also, do need to say some things, some important things. Yeah, quick. Cause this I is want to say a massive big happy birthday to Matthew Parkin, our friend in Norwich. He's a really cool artist and it's his birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Matthew. And he's engaged, so he's probably living the dream. My sister lives in Norwich. Oh, you should meet up. They should yeah. meet up. That'd be cool. And we also wanted Shout to do... Shout out to Flo Harrison. We wanted to do a big promo for next Friday's show because it's Friday the 13th. Ah! And there's going to be something very spooky coming at you. <laughs> you better go. <laughs> Bye-bye.